0: Hello and welcome to the Why Behind the What. My name is Nathan Elbert, and as always, I am so glad you are listening to this podcast today. If you are new to this podcast, new to this season, first off, welcome. Thank you for taking some time out of your day to listen to this podcast. I do really appreciate it. In this season, we've been looking at how ancient and contemplative spirituality can ultimately lead us to union with the divine. And in this episode... I interview Steve Weens as we talk about just that. We talk about how disillusionment and disorder are actually regular rhythms of the spiritual life and the importance of practicing mindfulness as a way to encounter God who is all around us. Steve is a spiritual teacher, author, pastor, who loves helping people reconstruct their faith after their theological foundations have crumbled. My goodness. We need people like Steve. Uh, Steve desires to give people permission to experience new and expansive ways of understanding God, themselves, and the world in which we all live. He's written three books, the first of which is called Beginnings, the second is called Whole, and his newest book, which we talk about in this episode, is called Shining Like the Sun. And this book introduces seven mindful practices for those of us who have lost our faith, but are still searching for God. Steve also hosts the weekly podcast, This Good Word, which explores what's holy in our humanity. I feel Steve is about 10 years ahead of me in this spiritual journey, and I am so thankful that I was able to connect with him. I've been following him on Twitter and Instagram for a while, uh, and we have a bunch of connections that I've learned about, so it was so great uh, to hear his wisdom I also highly recommend his book. Um, It is really, really good, and it is a book I wish I read a few years ago. I think it would have helped me so much. But I truly did enjoy this conversation, and in the show notes, I have a bunch of links that he recommends on ways to connect with him and ways to get his books or podcasts uh, or others of his writings as well. A couple of quick notes about this podcast. Steve and I do mention that we are part or alumni of the Transforming Center, The Transforming Center uh, was created by Ruth Haley Barton, and they have what's called the Transforming Community. And the Transforming Community is a retreat-based spiritual formation cohort experience that has nine quarterly retreats that really allows participants to uh, find space to hear from God as well as reclaim ancient spiritual practices so people can open themselves to God's presence. That cohort experience, as I say in this podcast, was so incredible for my life. And if you want more information or if you want to apply for a cohort, I do recommend checking out the Transforming Center's website, transformingcenter.org. Steve and I also mentioned the Enneagram and that we're both threes. If you don't know what that is, it's like we're talking weird things, you know. But the Enneagram uh, is a personality typology that categorizes basically human personalities into nine different types uh, and threes are one of those types. They're considered the achievers or the performers. They're very task oriented and driven almost to their detriment. So we do mention that. I have some links in the show notes. If you want to learn more about the Enneagram, it is all the rage right now, um, but you can check out those links uh, and maybe in the future or I'll, I'll bring in someone to talk more about the Enneagram because it is pretty awesome. Finally, if you enjoyed this podcast, if you love this introduction, please, can you write a review or rate it on Apple, Apple Podcasts? Share it in your social media circles. I know every podcaster says this, but it is very helpful, especially for those of us like me who aren't paying to promote this uh, podcast or who don't have ads or who are not um, promoting their posts on Twitter and all that just organic social media growth. So please uh, help me out. And uh, you can learn more at nathanalbert.com. I've got some other links, writings, my book, all sorts of resources there as well. As always, this podcast was written and recorded on Monarch and Land. And with that, here's my interview with Steve Weens. Well, Steve, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Nathan. Man, it's great to be here. We um, have a, a few random connections, um, so it's fun to connect over FaceTime and on a podcast. Yeah. What, which transforming community were you a part of? I was part of uh, 13. Okay. Cool. Yeah. What were you? I was were, you were six, early... way back oh, in so you were six. Early, so I okay. started
1: in 2011, and then I was done in 2013. You know, So yeah. it's been a while. <laughs> it really been, yeah. I, mean, I mean, I know it's changed a bit, uh, but
0: probably not, not too much. Yeah. I would say, I mean, the name of it says it all. It was probably one of the most transforming experiences of my personal and spiritual life. Um, yeah. So I'm, i I'm, I'm so grateful for it. What, what got you into it? Like, what made Wait, you sign up for it? You're interviewing me. Well, all of a sudden, I, I'm just Steve. curious, and then we, we can go right back. But yeah, know, yeah, we talking, um, talking. You know what's funny is I heard about the transform. Well, I heard about Ruth. Yeah. Uh, Ruth Haley Barton, probably when I was in college, a yeah. friend. A uh, youth pastor friend gave me a book of hers, and I kept it on the shelf for about 15 years or however many years. Eventually, got rid of it, <laughs> and then found yes. out about the Transforming Center. So I first saw Ruth speak at um, a pastors' conference okay. at Midwinter. Yeah, um, thought I should sign up for this. Saw the cost, saw the commitment, saw how much you know, two years. I was like, I can't do this. Yeah. A few months later, it popped up again. I don't know, in an email or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I should do it again. Got through part of the application. And then about two months after that, I just went to my my church at the time and said, I'd love to do this. Yeah. And they're like, go, go oh, for it. that's great. Um, so it was, yeah, so it was good. Oh, that's great. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I think was I was at that good. midwinter when she spoke. That was just two or three, been. four years ago. Right? Yeah, it was I mean, four years ago, maybe. Yeah, maybe it was even longer. Yeah. I have it trouble with time, but... um. But I remember her speaking there. Yeah,
0: yeah. So Steve, tell my listeners a little bit about who you are, um, what you do currently, and I always ask this because the podcast is called the Why Behind the What. Mm -hmm. But I'd love to hear why is it that you do what you do? Yeah. What is the catalyst behind that? Well, I think maybe I'll start with
1: that. I'll start with uh, because I've I've discovered I think the why behind the what because I'm I'm a Mm. pastor. I've been a pastor for almost 25 years. It'll be 25 years of this june which wow is odd because i never i mean growing up like um there's a guy that actually comes to our church now from time to time that he went to the high school that i went to we weren't really friends because i i graduated from this high school that i was only there for the last two years but um when we kind of made the connection that oh man he went to the high school too um I was like, yeah, if you knew me back then. And then he smiled because he did kind of, like he knew of me because I was a little bit older and I was definitely not a candidate to be a pastor in any way, shape, or form in high school. (laughs) So, um, but I think, uh, and I'm a writer, I've written a few books. Um, I do a podcast called This Good Word. And all those things are really centered around helping people um, these days anyway. I would say the last 10 years maybe to reconstruct a faith that has just stopped working for them. Mm -hmm. Um, I found in the last three or four years for sure, ever since the 2016 election, um, that so many people are, number one, disillusioned, but number two, uh, overwhelmed by the selective outrage that they read from all sides. And because so much of it is centered around politics plus... Religion plus evangelical subculture, um, I just find myself, Nathan talking to so many people uh, r- literally several a week that they it, and it's so funny because they'll email, email me, and they'd be like, "Hey, do you have some time to talk and I'll know what they want to talk about, you know like I'll just <laughs> and I never I just I always wait, you know, oh what, what do you want to talk about? But it almost is always something about a faith deconstruction and reconstruction. So what I find myself feeling the most joy in is not just helping people deconstruct, but that is, I think, so needed and so helpful. But then really giving people permission and some foundations to rebuild something that really works for them. Mm -hmm. Um, I've, um, you know, so, yeah, I I think that's probably the shortest I can make it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, You make, um, you kind of frame exactly what my podcast is yeah. and at least this season, but as well as my own spiritual journey, the last few years yeah. of, uh, working in full-time ministry, working for a nonprofit, traveling the country, speaking at camps, yep. writing a book. Yep. And then just, I found myself literally crying under my desk, Yeah, you know? Yes. And I just was like, what am, what am I doing? I thought I left my acting career. I thought, yeah. I would have such great joy in this thing called ministry that I was doing for God and the good of the people and the good of the world and just hit this wall of doubt and disillusionment. Um, And, and some of the things I found is many pastors go through this. Right. Yeah. Um, And so I'd love to hear, I know this is a little bit about your story as well, but um, did you go through a similar season and what was it that, rekindled Mm -hmm. your faith or kind of uh helped you reconstruct a faith
1: yeah i think i've been through several actually and Mm, i've come to realize that i think that's the pattern um the paschal mystery of christ has died christ has risen christ will come again and the rhythms of the church calendar that you and i follow you know advent to epiphany to lent to resurrection to ordinary time back to advent I think, and even the seasons of the year, you know, spring to winter, or spring to summer to fall to winter, signals how um, that's the universal pattern of our faith development or our evolving. So, Hmm. like, I distinctly remember, I was a youth pastor for many years, sounds like maybe you were too, at least, in in part, and I remember I was about 30, I think, so this is about 20 years ago. And I was giving a talk to these high school kids, and it was a typical, you know, salvation talk. And I heard myself saying these words. "It's as, And it was, you know, written down. I mean, I'd planned it, but it's as easy as A, B, C. A, admit that you are a sinner. B, mm. believe that Jesus died for your sins. And C, commit to following him for the rest of your life. If you do that, that if you make that decision, that really is like you've now become a Christian, and but when I was when I heard myself saying those things, I can see the stage I was standing on, and it was only in front of maybe fifty or sixty kids, but I remember thinking like I don't believe that, Hmm. (laughs) you know, as I was doing the talk, right? Yeah, yeah, and I think that was one of the first. And I was in a pretty good church that time. It maybe it was evangelical, but or and it wasn't rigid or super legalistic. Sure. But I remember thinking, "There, that that just can't be what that is." Like just making a a, a decision. And now that's sort of like everyone sort of gets that, you know. Now, not mm. not everyone, but but so many of us. But for me, twenty years ago, that's what got me into like Dallas Willard and the divine conspiracy talking about the kingdom and the reduced gospel and so uh when i would reach those those times of disillusionment um or i would call it like a disruption i think you know we all have disruptions mm-hmm. that cause us to rethink and we either can ignore the disruption and go back to normal but i've always been way too like curious and um Uh, there's never enough questions for me right you know like I tend to thrive on like well what about this so um the disruption then led to an invitation to get with some other people that are thinking similar thoughts and I always found myself around people that were also thinking those things you know we would have a late Mm -hmm. night beer or something like that or like we would, or I would start to read an author that said it differently. And that always sparked my curiosity, right? And so, um, you know, that, that might have been the first one. And then I think um, there was another revolution about 10 years after that. And that's when I got in touch with Ruth Haley Barton in the Transforming mm-hmm. Center. I had just gone through a really, really difficult disruption in terms of a relationship. I ended up being, I was on a church staff with one of my best friends and i ended up being on a team of people that fired him right and it was devastating and um we didn't do it well even though we thought we did at the time we right. thought you know yeah this is the right thing to do um I, someone handed me a ruth haley barton book just like you strengthening the soul of our leadership and this person my friend said hey you know i'm i've signed up for this thing called transforming community and i just think you should you should go to you know, so I went up to my parents have a little cabin up in Wisconsin, and I went up there with a journal and some bourbon and uh, <laughs> a lot of bourbon I think um and this book strengthening the Soul of your Leadership, and I remember thinking like, I need this mm. i mean if i don't have some I needed it to save my life, my ministry life, kind of you know and I don't know that it saved my life, but it definitely rooted me in something. That's when I really fell in love with fixed-hour prayer, Mm -hmm. the rhythms of the church calendar. That's when I learned that sitting in silence with God, like that's actually, like when you get to the place in your prayer where you realize, I don't want to just keep babbling on and on spontaneously. I actually want to either sit... In the prayers of the saints, or sit in silence. Mm -hmm. And at first, you think that's failing. You you think like I've I've lost my ability to pray. You know, I I can't pray. But then, through the help of Ruth and the Transforming Center, I realized, no, this is actually just me evolving. This is my faith is growing. And what I need now is to be anchored. Mm -hmm. Um, I was way too swirly, you know, for so many years. I was like that picture that ruth talks about with the jar of river water that's sure. all shaken up and it needs to be settled down that was absolutely
0: me yeah i keep actually so. jars i keep jars of those all over my office i have oh my two or three and then i i've made little mason jars of them to give out to students when they yeah. come into my office so overwhelmed you know and you can tell they're shaken oh, up yeah. and i just show them it sure. and say like this was an image picture. for me um, that's, that's a great idea, man. Yeah, I mean that you actually have those to show yeah. people. Yeah, it's just a, it's a good tangible, yeah.
1: thing. Um, I love it. What are you on the enneagram? I'm just curious. Uh, I'm a three. Yes, I knew are, it. So am I. Are you am I'm, I'm. Yeah, I'm a three with a three wing. I think. <laughs> wing. <laughs> there you go. No, but it's just like I just like it's been. It's taken me so long to. And I'm not over it, of course, we don't ever get over it, mm-hmm. but like to recognize that the drivenness isn't, you know, characteristic of the full life, yeah. you know, or the transforming life. It's actually an addiction. Yeah, you know. And what makes it hard for guys like you and me, and men and women like you and me, I think, that are doing good things, you know? Like, how are you gonna argue with doing a podcast on you know, the why behind the what, I mean, that is fantastic. Like people should do that, you know, but then if it becomes, anyway, right for me, if it becomes the drivenness, then yep. um, it's hard to say no and it's hard to shut off. Yeah.
0: Well, and I've struggled with silence doesn't seem, and even solitude, and some of these other practices don't seem like I'm doing anything. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's yeah. like, well, what, yeah. what is this actually doing for my life or my productivity <laughs> or my to-do list um, yeah. or or how am I how is this gonna make me different in when I'm done? Yeah. You don't see sure. that right away. Yeah. Um yeah. but it does. It becomes these anchors that yeah. I mean, some of the some of my experiences have been oh, I never knew this is exactly what I needed, or I didn't know I even needed to pray these prayers. I didn't even know the words were there, but yet my soul was longing to say them and here they are, written down oh, in a book, yeah. you know?
1: Um I love how you said that. You know, I my first night, my first retreat of my first night at the Transforming Center, I had a dream. And the dream was that I overslept. And it was a very vivid dream. Like, it was like I dreamt that I woke up in the room that I actually was in at Cardinal Stretch. That's where we stayed yep. anyway. Yep. Um, and I freaked out, like, oh, my gosh. And then I actually woke up, and I realized, okay, this is not... I didn't miss anything, but later on that day, I I had the sense—you know how it is—it's like, does God speak? I think, but I had the sense that God whispered to me, "Hey, don't worry. Like, you're not going to miss anything that I have for you. Mm. Just relax, be at peace. What I have for you, I'm going to find a way for you to get. Mm. And as a driven three, that was exactly what I needed to hear. You know, so like, it's it's weird. That
0: is cool. Yeah. I, I want to um, have you share a little bit about your newest book. Yeah. Because um, I've read it, and I oh man, I've, I've said this in an email to you, but it's one of those books that I wish I read a few years ago. Mm. Um, or yes. yeah, it's just really helpful. But it's called "Shining Like the Sun: um, Seven Mindful Practices for Rekindling Your Faith." Um, so share a little bit about what those practices are, why you wrote it, and um, yeah, yeah, give us that spiel.
1: Well, first of all, I'll say like um that subtitle, Seven Mindful Practices. I like that part. Me too. For rekindling your faith. I hated that part. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, and and my publisher knows it. We went back and forth and back and forth. I've 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 come to I've come to accept it. But like I, I was like, well, that's not quite it. It's not rekindling. That feels like rehashing or like putting something in the microwave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I do think it works pretty well with the whole idea of sort of shining like the sun. It's it's you know, it's carrying the metaphor forward. Um and, but I wanted to call it like seven mindful practices for waking up to God or something oh, like that. Oh, gotcha. You know? and, and I think whatever it's called, ultimately it doesn't matter as much. But, but that's it's really these seven practices that are designed for people that are actually tired mm. of trying to um, find God in the cacophony of noise and overstimulation and selective outrage and just nonstop news cycle of the day that even spirituality even even the spirituality that can seem healthy like even the word i mean even the word transformation i have some baggage yeah. in right now yep, and you. not because it's not a helpful word but because there's a way in which it makes me tired you know mm-hmm. like oh my gosh like all the ways I need to change. Mm -hmm. Well, I do need to change, you know? But so my book is about really these seven mindful practices which are essentially about waking up to this very moment Mm -hmm. where I believe God exists in the eternal now, waiting for us to simply return to awareness. Right, and so like one of my one of the practices. Of the book starts with the practice, attentiveness, and um, I actually brought the. I'm gonna I'm gonna read. So for every practice, I have a little. It's kind of a mantra, but it's really, it's like, um, it's like, a description of what I'm talking about because attentiveness attentiveness could mean a lot of things, um, but attentiveness. Uh, I describe it this way, to become aware and awake to the present moment. I practice attentiveness, learning to return to here so I can find God waiting for me with love in the eternal now. And so um, the book is titled Shining Like the Sun because of a story about Thomas Merton, who, one of my favorite mystics, um, and he's walking. Many people know this story, but if you don't, He's walking around uh, shopping in Louisville in the corner of 4th and Walnut, and all of a sudden he has an epiphany. Um, he's not trying to do anything spiritual. He just sees everybody suddenly appears as though they are literally shining like the sun. They are mm-hmm. filled with God's energy, with the awareness of the divine. And he he goes on to sort of say, if we only realized we're all Like we're all interconnected, and so it's this waking up to the reality that we're not as divided as we think we are. You know, like I just, I just even today, dang Nathan, I was on Facebook and I posted something months ago, some article, and it was about, it was actually a really I thought interesting article, um, sort of about the historical reasons behind why some white evangelicals are following Trump, you know? And I thought it was actually very thoughtful. And someone got on there and just was like, ah, oh, you know, blah, 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 yeah, just, just got uh, kind of angry because I think they felt defensive, you know? Like, well, are, you, are you calling me a fraud? Because I'm a Christian and, I've, and, I, and I was like, you know, I, I don't, actually, I don't think that that's uh, what the article was all about. I'm not calling you a fraud. But then I noticed myself, I was all angsty, you know, yeah. after that yeah. interaction, I was all worked up and I thought, okay, I just, I just bought into the lie that we're really, we're really disconnected, that we really aren't interconnected, that we're not really all shining like the sun. And so mm-hmm. awareness or attentiveness is about waking up to these little moments that, that happen, I think, many times a day if we can become aware of them. Um, it sounds cheesy, but the sunset. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a partner – Um, a a sweet moment of laughter. Uh, Thomas Merton has this quote where he talks about, um, where he he says essentially the things that humanity finds to be so important, God finds very trivial. Mm. And the things that humanity finds quite trivial, those are the things that God is intimately interested in. And it's things like play Mm. and, you know, uh, my, my dog was barking one morning, early morning, and I was like, what are you doing? So I went outside, shut up, you know. But then there was like six deer you wow, know, yeah, in our little yeah. suburban backyard, right? So it's about waking up to those moments.
0: It's funny. I just this afternoon was talking to a student um, raised in a Christian home, came yeah. to my office and asked, you know, I go to this event on Wednesday and this event on Sunday on campus, and I feel that's my Jesus time. but. Yeah. I'm too busy the rest of the time. How do yeah. I connect? And I, yeah. I, I shared kind of exactly that idea of yeah, yeah. God wants to surprise us in the glim- in glimpses every yeah. day. We just yeah. have to become aware of those. Whether it's walking or across campus, seeing a sunset, and for him it was. I think it was really a new way to think about faith that up until that moment maybe he even h- hadn't or thought. Oh, I just have yeah. to add more to my Christian to do list, but instead mm. it's becoming aware of the divine all around you, right? Well, I can, I can even picture that,
1: that conversation, just seeing your eyes right now. Like he came in and he didn't say it, but like that's kind of tiring to think about focusing his attention on Jesus yeah. apart from those Wednesday right. programmatic times. And you're like, no, oh, it's really just waking up, you know? It's mm-hmm. just like, it's as, it's as simple as waking up. Mm-hmm. And I do think that's refreshing and delightful instead of burdensome, yeah,
0: you know, um, yeah. Do, do you find those, of those seven practices that you share in the book, yeah. are there some, I mean, are some as easy as waking up or are there ones that are, you find to be more difficult?
1: Well, um, so one of them is conversation. Mm. So it's a whole chapter, right. which is a practice, a mindful pr- practice of conversation. And I do think that one takes a little more effort, um, and because I think ultimately it's about um, it's about the f- realizing that we think we see reality. You know, like when I'm talking to someone, when I'm reacting to the person I was reacting to on Facebook yeah. <laughs> that I just told you about, we think we're seeing reality in ourselves and in someone else, but it's so overlaid by our implicit biases by our the tribe that we Mm -hmm. are in whether we know it or not by the defenses that you know that we feel the things that get defensive in us when we react so all these synapses are firing and so to catch yourself in a conversation with someone where you're starting to get triggered or you can tell they're starting to get triggered or you notice that you are and we all do this that you are um putting a value on someone without even knowing what they're going to do um you know that's where implicit racism and all that stuff really comes from you assume that they're thinking something that they aren't or they're going to do something that they aren't um it it requires you to suspend something so like um it's so funny, man, I, I was just doing, um, so, you know, I'm a pastor, so I'm still preaching and all this stuff. So I'm, I'm looking at the story of Nicodemus and Jesus, you know, the classic story about being born again, right? And I'm seeing it through the eyes of a mystic now, like how Thomas Merton might see that story. And essentially, whatever else is happening in the story of Nicodemus, this Pharisee who comes to Jesus at night and asks him, he says, he, you know, I, I, we, we all know that you're from God because you're doing these miracles, right? And then Jesus essentially says, you know, you can only enter the kingdom of heaven if you're born again. And so, how a mystic would see that is um, Nicodemus just represents the logical A to B to C rational level of thinking that mm-hmm. says, you can believe this because of these verifiable proofs. That's how our mind works, right? It's just, it's a lot, like picture a, a line just going forward, right? Mm-hmm. And when Jesus uses paradox, you know, you have to be an adult but be born again. And we even make fun of Nicodemus. Is he stupid or is he being sarcastic when he says, how can a man be born again? He's actually listening because Jesus is... So like, like what the mystics would say is that paradox is a thoughtful device used by someone that's trying to change the conversation, that's trying to get into a richer, deeper, more productive conversation. That paradox actually suspends the logical mind. It, like, runs it into a dead end, you know? And in that moment, if the person can go, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, then we can have a better conversation, you know? But classically, like... Even in that story, of course, what evangelicals did with Jesus' brilliant paradoxical statement is we turned it into a logical, rational way of believing you're right. only born again if you pray this prayer. Right. It's as easy as ABC. Right. You know what I mean? And so it's just super easy to do that. So I think we have to transcend. We have to notice our implicit biases. Um, and usually someone has to, has to reveal them to us. So, I mean, super quick. After the Super Bowl halftime show, you mm-hmm. know, where J. Lo and Shakira dance and stuff, there's all this stuff on Facebook, and people are going crazy, you know. And then on Twitter, I see this Latinx pastor, this woman, who is like going, you guys don't get it, you know, you white feminist evangelical Christians are getting all up in arms about this, but really, this is just cultural dance. And so I interviewed her, and it was so great. We talked about implicit bias and all that stuff. And, um, and I thanked her. Oh, so helpful. Thank you so much. And then a couple days later she messaged me again. She said, Hey, you know, I need to, I need to say that you said something that, that bugged me, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh, you know, my heart's going, yeah, no, court, right? like that. <laughs> um, she said, you described me as articulate.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And she goes, now she's from Columbia. She's has brown skin. She said, No, I don't think you were trying to do it. In fact, I'm pretty sure you weren't. But I, just pe- women, especially pastors with brown skin, black skin, when they're called articulate, it's like that's a surprise, you know? Mm-hmm. And I didn't even, like, I, that's not what I was thinking, I don't think, but like that just came out of me, right? And so yeah. she had the courage to help me see differently. And help me have better conversations in the yeah. future. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and I thanked her so much. For, thank you so much for having the courage to, you know, because I'm sure she's done that with certain people and they've responded poorly, you right. know? Um,
0: so. What, what you would know. you say to, I mean, I feel like we are in a world, especially social media world, where conversations are getting more hard yep. um, because we are in our own tribes, right? We, most of our followers think like us they may look different than us but you know we we have self-isolated and you can do that when you get to choose who you follow and who you don't follow um yeah so how do you see conversation in a in a world where we are becoming more isolated where we aren't um you know used to be well back in the day long before maybe i was born don't marry if you're a christian don't marry a Catholic. Right. And now it's don't marry. You're a Democrat. Don't marry a Republican. Um, So we're not having those conversations. So how do we start that when we are already isolated?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, Twitter and Facebook, I mean, social media is like if there was if if you could have dreamed up um, a way to get people to be polarized. And to, you know, just absolutely confirm you know, confirmation bias. Yeah. The algorithms of Facebook and Twitter and not as much Instagram, I guess, but are designed to cluster people around polls. Mm-hmm. And you, you notice it, man, the more like people that get followed more and get more traction are people that are loudly clustered around a certain poll. Mm-hmm. And so I think – First of all, I do. I, we need to be aware that we do not see correctly. We don't yeah. see ourselves correctly. We don't see other people correctly. Again, I've said implicit bias about seventy times. If there was like a bingo card, we you know, someone would win something. Um, but but that has so that is driving the fuel of our conversation so much. Number yeah. one, if if we don't recognize that, and then number two. Um, We have to get to the point where we realize that even, especially those of us who are spiritually convicted of certain things, and it's good to be, to have spiritual convictions. But I think where it gets unhelpful is if we don't realize, like, if God is total mystery, right, essentially, and God reveals God's self to us through Jesus through the Spirit through each other through creation through all these things and that our understanding of God evolves over time and I think that's pretty clear in the scriptures and even in history you know um, Martin Luther believed the world was flat and the and the Bible said so yet he was who he was right um, if we don't understand and admit that our belief systems are in some way shape or form simply a construct of belief and not belief itself like our descriptions mm-hmm. of God are yeah. not God right? If we don't handle that with humility, I don't think we'll ever have good conversations. you know. But if we do, then we can have curiosity when someone says something to us that doesn't seem to jive with what we think, right? And I think it's not about – and that's not about saying no one can have any convictions or everyone just needs to land on the same plane. I think what a boring world that would be, right? But I do think it's about um, it's about recognizing that that my belief system is flawed and not not correct very much, mm-hmm. no matter how much I think it's correct. Two, I can learn anything from anyone that's mm-hmm. thoughtful and wants to be in a conversation. Yeah, and then three, I think this is especially for Christians, right, and of the evangelical stripe, which I you know I've come from is that we have to give up our quest to sign people up for the team. Mm-hmm. You know, we just have to stop categorizing people as in or out, believer or non-believer. It's just not helpful anymore. It just mm-hmm. leads to it leads to colonialism right spirituality, right. I think. Right. And um and so that that's all very, you know, heady and stuff. So like my um I'll give you an example, right? So I was, um, I was sitting around a table with some friends, and one of the people sitting around the table was this Jewish rabbi who we were studying with, you know, he's an amazing dude. And someone around the dinner table asked the question, like, so what are some of your spiritual practices, you know? And, like, I, you know, who knows? I mean, it was like people were saying what they say, Bible study, prayer, silence, whatever. And then it gets to the Jewish rabbi. He's in his 60s, and, and he goes, man, he goes. I've really been trying to, before I send an email, I've been trying to just hold that person's face in my mind before I send the email. Mm. Try to bless that person, pray for that person, try to remember that I love that person, you know. And then I and then I reread the email to see if there's anything I said in there that would go against all these feelings that I just had. Um, and then we all just were kind of blown away, like you know what I mean? Like that's how it works with rabbis, though.
0: especially for evangelicals right yeah Yeah, like
1: we don't you know but but it's like he got it you know he got that the purpose of a spiritual practice would be to help us love god and love other people yeah more yeah none of us really were understanding that and it's so freeing
0: i mean i found some of these practices so freeing that i don't have to have all the boxes checked and have all the answers and right have the one path oh to, gosh. you know, to a vibrant faith. It, it, it's so freeing. Um, yeah. And it was, it was almost like I was gripping on, you know, when you yeah. grip onto something hard and then you finally release it and you're like, ah, oh, uh, well that, that feels great. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's just been a, it's been a cool journey.
1: I like that yeah. picture of letting go. Yeah. Yeah, you know, because think about how much energy, even if you didn't realize it, I know it's a metaphor, but that you were spending on gripping whatever that thing was, right? You know, yeah. And why, you know, like why yeah. do we why do we grip it so hard? It's not working. Right. We don't. We don't enjoy it. Yeah. We don't. You know, it's not right. And so,
0: um, I like that picture of one of my courage one of my go. mentors used to always joke when she would get honked at when someone would living in Chicago, yeah, um, you know, if she got honked, and, and even in Chicago, I mean, it, as soon as it turns green, if you're not already in the intersection, oh, yeah. right, you know? You no, I remember at. that. And yes. uh, I remember her saying, someone honked at her, and she's like, ah, I, you know, it's just not worth getting that angry about. Yeah, um, yeah. And I, I've, that's been, I've come back <laughs> to that phrase many times, especially yes. with social media Oh, um, yeah. church debates, theological yep. debates. Yep. Um, when I, like you say, getting attentive to your emotions, getting riled up to finally c- become aware and say, wait a minute, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's worth getting this angry. Um, uh, right. and it says something more about me yeah. than it does about the other person. Like I'm getting exactly. this angry about that person's belief about so-and-so. Um, yeah, so well, and I think
1: too like maybe for threes, you know, for you mm. and guys like you and me, it's like our spiritual practice probably is to not say the thing. You know, it mm. is 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 to like go through that thing of like, well, could I respond on Facebook or should I you know, do something in traffic or whatever and to to wait, right? I mean, some people their practice is to speak up, you know, cuz right. they've that's what they need to do. But sure. I think typically for me more often than not it's oh you have that response you have that instinct yeah hold that yeah you know? yeah yep. <laughs> hold that yeah and then let it go yeah. and watch it float away yes <laughs> and realize you didn't <laughs> need to chime in on that that's like, right the world didn't need your nope. wisdom that's Steve right Steve Weems
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah so share briefly if you if if you're if you're listening if someone's listening to this they're new to mindfulness they're new to attentiveness even some of this this journey of kind of these newer practices what um what would you say to someone just starting out or who's yeah. trying to become more attentive well
1: so i would start with a story and I, I start my book with this story um but then i'll then i'll describe what i think mindfulness is yeah. or at least the way i'm using it but so the, so the story goes that it's an old ancient story i i found it in this brilliant book by Deborah Adele called The Yamas and Niyamas. It's these 10 jewels of yogic thought, you know, things like practice nonviolence. And anyway, so the story goes that after creation, God is sitting with uh, the elders, whoever the elders are, uh, and God runs into the elder boardroom and says, oh, I've got a terrible problem. And they say, what is it? You know, he says, oh, I've created these people, uh, and now they're going to need me all the time. <laughs> I'll never get any rest, right? And so the elders are like, oh, man, well, you got to find a place to hide. I mean, maybe on top of a mountain or, you know, underneath the ocean. And, and God says, no, 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 The people are too inventive. Like they're too, uh, I know these people, they're going to find me there, right? I mean, I'll never, I'll never get any rest. And so finally one of them whispers into God's ear and says, uh, you know, why don't you hide within them? They'll never look there. And I think that story is both illuminating and beautiful oh, and also a little sad, mm-hmm. you know, that most of us spend so much time in. I mean, even most of us who want to meet with God and like who desire union, communion with God, we end up so tired and placing so many expectations on our moments that where you sit in, our, in the silence and meditation and, and now we're going to do this to meet with God but i think there's a there's a beauty in if it's true that that god breathed the ruach the breath mm-hmm. and this is genesis 1 and 2 you know before any bad thing happened before the fall before sin we were imbued with the spirit of god the energy of god the the creativity of god we were made in god's image we were given god's spirit and therefore i believe we can say that we carry the divine spark of god and so um, I don't think that means we are God. And why does that have to mean we are? It doesn't. But that God is accessible by simply returning to where I am. Mm-hmm. And I think mindfulness is simply, if you want to have the simplest definition, it's simply returning to doing what you're doing in the moment. Mm. Brush your teeth while brushing your teeth. Eat your food while eating your food. Thich Nhat Hanh is a great... Example yeah. of this, and, you know, he he talks about sort of like when you eat a piece of bread, lift up that piece of bread, imagine the soil from which it sprang from. Thank God for the sun that made that wheat kernel grow. Thank God for the hands that you know. And then when you chew that bread, enjoy it. I I have a practice in the book that, um, you know, for those of us who drink coffee, I mean, I definitely do, <laughs> right. But like it's a it's a sincere, beautiful spiritual practice to mindfully sip that coffee, even if it's just the first sip. But you're just gonna enjoy that coffee instead of rushing to, you know, carry it that cup from here to there when you're about to jump in the shower. You're gonna brew it. You're gonna smell the smells. You're gonna uh, let the warmth go down your throat and that's the whole purpose of it it's not to do anything else and when we start doing th- those kinds of things that way and it's going to seem like you're doing nothing just like silence feels like you're doing nothing but as you habituate yourself to enjoying okay let's say let's say you have a glass of wine or a glass of scotch at night you know do it with scotch i mean sip that scotch let it if it's peaty let this flavor swirl around your mouth enjoy it, you know, don't be thinking of your next scotch that you're going to maybe drink. Um, when you, As you start to do that, then you automatically start to be more and more present to the person that you're sitting with. Yeah. You're automatically more aware of yourself and what God is doing in and around you. And those that Thomas Merton thing of like realizing you think the dog is just barking and that's super annoying... And you go outside and you realize, oh yeah, the dog is my master. <laughs> the dog is the Jedi master who's trying to teach me to look for the deer, you know. Yeah. And again, is that super cheesy? I don't know. Maybe I'm just tired of working so hard to get nowhere. Yeah. You know, yeah. memorizing scriptures or yeah. or or placing so much emphasis on You know, this worship experience better be good. This vacation better be good. This date with my wife better be good uh, because then I have to get back to the normal grind. You know, that's just, we're imposing that life on ourselves. And mindfulness slowly allows us to recognize that every single moment, if we learn how to inhabit it, can be a gift might not be happy every moment or even peaceful.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but the the kind of suffering, this is a Buddhist thought, but I think it's, or, and I think it's just true. We inflict suffering on ourselves when we refuse to just let the moment be. Because mm-hmm. yeah. it's gonna pass. If it's hard, it'll pass. I heard this one guy meditate. He's like, I try to sit for an hour completely still, right? And then an itch started on my back, you know, and it's like, it was driving me crazy, man. But I was trying to do this exercise where I couldn't move. And he said, what I found was the itch went away, mm. you know, and like, that is life. We yeah. think our feelings are everything and that they're going to just going to just swoop us out to see mindfulness And if that's freaking people out, if that sounds too out there, woo-woo, Buddhist, you know, think of what Jesus was doing when he was sleeping on the bottom of the boat in the middle of a storm, right? right? That's a kind of, that's like saying, I don't, I don't need
0: calm in order to sleep. I mean, that's profound. Yeah. And what I, what I love about your book and even the practices that you, the seven of them that you have, they're not overtly, um, they're not your normal ways to rekindle your faith that many Christians have heard, right? It's not read the Bible this way or go to this style church. But what I love about the practices that you talk about in there and even what you were just sharing allows the more attentive, the more mindful you are, it allows you to see glimpses of the divine and it allows you to be surprised by God. And that's what I think Ugh, is I so. really cool is, yeah, you know, God, if we live and move and have our being in God, God is all around us inside. We're going to, I mean, that's one of the things I've been surprised at with some of these practices is, oh, reading, a, reading an ancient prayer. Well, I, who would have thought that they could, these words can make me weep. And it's like out of the blue where I just think I'm just gonna recite these prayers in this service. And then I'm I'm standing there crying. Right. Um, and it's like the mystery just appeared. Oh my gosh, yeah, you know, and it's a beautiful thing. And it's so I, I really do appreciate that those aspects of your book that you're you're opening us up to say, do these things, be mindful. And guess what? When when you try them, eventually. You'll get glimpses of God around you in ways that you yeah. haven't before. Um, so it's, it gives me a lot of hope. And I, that's an, mm. another reason why I'm doing this podcast, because there are people I think just need to hear, you'll, you'll get glimpses of the divine. Just yeah. wait. It, it yeah. will come. Yeah. Um, and then you'll know, and yeah. it'll be good. Oh, that's um, good. Yeah. And I love oh. that story, too, the, of the, the, the beginning of your book. Well, it is, well, it's a it's, good one.
1: It is. Yeah. It's kind of like beautiful and a little sad, you know, yeah, like, really like, is. oh, we work so hard. We we, we look so yeah. hard and it's hidden in plain sight, you yeah. know? And I think, I think that's part of what we learn from Jesus's metaphor and paradox and his enigmatic teachings, it's sort of like, it's just right there, you know, yeah. like the guy that in John nine, he's blind and he, then he, Jesus heals him and Whatever you think about that and that miracle, is that really true? Has it really happened? The, the, the profound thing in that whole story is that people go to such great lengths to try to like prove that this guy wasn't really healed, there's not even the guy. And Jesus is nowhere to be found. you know? He's just gone. Like he just has no time for that hustle and bustle, but he is found on the outskirts when the guy Ends up being excommunicated, and that's where he's found. And, mm-hmm. and, and I think there's a lesson for that, you know, for us too. It's like in these moments where we're at least expecting God to be, there God is. And maybe even in the moments where we're most expecting God to be, yeah. you know, there's absence, and that's yeah. hard. That's yeah. hard, but yeah, you know.
0: Yeah. Steve, how, um, if people want to get to know you, get connected with you, yeah. How can people find you in the in the social media world?
1: Yeah, you know, the easiest way is just to go on my website. It's steveweens.com. It's W-I-E-N S. Sometimes people go E I, so that's not going to work, but Steve W-I-E-N-S. And there you can connect to my podcast. It's called This Good Word. I've been doing that for about four and a half years. And um the focus of the podcast is really to reclaim what's holy about our humanity. So I really I talk to some authors and I, I do some just stuff myself um, talking about reconstruction and all kinds of different things. But you can get links to my books there too. And then certainly I'm active on um, Twitter and Instagram a little more than Facebook, but you can find me, Steve Weens at uh, Twitter and Instagram. And I think my Facebook is Steve Weens Author. Um, and I'd love to hear from you all. Uh, I love interacting with people who, especially who are going through a kind of faith, deconstruction, reconstruction. Um, I love to help people. Um, I love to give people permission, I think, to just go there, to follow yeah. the truth where
0: it goes. Yeah. Well, this yeah. has been awesome. I really appreciate it. Appreciate your book. Go buy his book. I'll put put in the show notes. Um, thanks, Nathan. But yeah, it's been awesome. Well, thanks, Steve. No, I appreciate it. This was great. And so, friends, as you experience a faith that has rhythms of reconstruction and are given permission to follow the truth wherever it may lead, may you have peace, may you have calm, and may you have happiness.